welcome to the Unity Baptist Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. This week, Pastor Heath interviews some of Unity's ministry leaders. In our last episode, Heath introduced us to Unity's Discipleship Funnel. One of the many keys to a healthy church is a clear roadmap of discipleship. It is our desire to see every believer using their spiritual gifts to edify the body of Christ, the church. At the close of the interviews, Heath brings a wonderful message titled, Every Feather Has a Function. If you're in the Ashland or Tri-State area, we would love to see you. More information on how you can connect with us at Unity will follow today's talk. Here's Heath and our ministry team for today's content. Invite you to join me on the uh, in, sit in the choir, except for Amber, who's going to join us right away. We've got a microphone right here for you. Doing something a little out of the ordinary this morning as we're getting things started. This is uh, we've been focusing on the Unity Funnel the last couple of weeks, which is a biblical model for how we create disciples here. And one of the purposes of this Unity Funnel is to help us come to a place where we all find a meaningful place of service in the church and so to help facilitate that sometimes you can come to a church like this and be like I don't even know where to begin who do I even talk to what are some of the opportunities that are out there and so what I decided to do before we uh, share our devotional this morning we're going to speak with a few of our ministry leaders so that you know who to talk to when we dismiss into the gymnasium a little bit later so this morning uh, I've invited uh, most of you know Amber by now and uh, she's going to share a little bit uh, with us uh, about Unity Kids. So if you don't mind just introducing yourself a little bit and telling us a little bit about what you do at, at, uh, at Unity here. Okay. So I'm Amber, and obviously I'm related and connected to this guy. Um, I do Unity Kids downstairs. I'm part of the amazing team. I'm the director down there, and we have a very robust team of people who take care of the kids, not just during the service, because we often can bring the kids up here and do an interacting with them, but um, we have a very large children's ministry, which involves Unity Kids on Sundays, um, discipleship and training in the Word, and then we have it on Sunday, or then we have it on Wednesday nights, but we also have Awana that happens on Sunday evenings, and then we have children's choir that kind of pops up as a ministry here and there. We have the story hour on Wednesday nights that is kind of in lieu or in the form of like a family devotion so that we're teaching your kids um, what it looks like to be in the word every single night with their family and kind of trying to kind of engage them in that way. Um, so we have lots of, we have good news club that kind of happens on the outside of our walls. Um, we have lots of different things that kind of happen within the context of Unity Kids Ministry. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing a lot of these uh, different opportunities. And th these different ministries happen because, not because Amber can do it all, but because, she, like she said, there's a whole team of people. And you guys are a part of that team, and I'm, I'm sure you're always looking for people to, to help uh, with that team as well. Can you tell us a little bit about your, the Unity Kids mission or purpose statement? Why do you exist? Why is kids ministry important? So I'll start off by reading it because we wrote it a while back and then I'll unpack it a little bit, but Unity Kids Ministry partners with parents to raise up honoring and obedient children in the Lord, that's important, um, introducing them to Christ and his word through biblical discipleship and training that will support biblical homes and the responsibility that the home is designed to have. So what one thing I want to make very, very clear, that comes from Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 11, and Ephesians chapter 6. The responsibility of training up our children in the Lord, it, we understand is not the work of the Unity Kids downstairs. It's actually the, it's the responsibility of the home. And so what we do and the way that we establish ourselves down there is we really are we're centered around the idea of whatever the Lord has asked of the home, biblical parenting, biblical training, biblical discipleship, we really try to mirror that down there. And sometimes we will initiate a type of training or a discipleship that may or may not be in the home, but we do it in the um, attitude of being able to support the parents. And so just like family devotions on a Wednesday night, um, we really would like our kids to understand that reading God's word, being in God's word, having God's word in you is actually a holistic mentality. And so when we get around his word every single day as a family, um, we can grow in that together. So that's just one of the ways that we partner with our parents. Um, we really do believe in parenting in the pew. We actually believe in Deuteronomy 6, which is parenting 
every part of the day. So that is no different in Unity Kids. We just like to be an extension of that. So the way that we're set up, if you guys have never been down there, I would encourage you to go down there. The way that we're set up, the scheduling that we do, the structure that we have is not to take them away from what the parents are doing just to give the parents a break. It's actually a very intentional setup and a very intentional discipleship so that we're walking alongside you as you accomplish what God has required of you as a family in Christ. So Unity Kids isn't just childcare and babysitting? No, no. <laughs> I think your kids could probably tell you that. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're, we're interested in making all ages disciples of Jesus Christ. Remember our purpose statement for our church is leading generations mm -hmm. to, to uh, be fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ in all the world. And so mm -hmm. our goal is not just that we're aiming at one specific target audience to be disciples, we, whether it's our child or whether it's somebody who is in the twilight years of their life, we want them all to be mature disciples of Christ uh, in their age group. Mm -hmm. So if you could just highlight uh, a couple of different opportunities that you would say are maybe some of your most urgent needs in the Unity Kids area? What are some of those things? Well, I'd say, first of all, that our ministry is here to support, again, the family. So it's not something that takes away. It's hopefully something we prayerfully consider to be in addition to what is there. But the most important roles that we're looking for right now, obviously, we can use everybody. We can use teachers. We can use helpers. We have coordinator positions, desk positions. We have organizational positions. We have assistance positions, all that kind of stuff. But as unity grows, we are seeing, of course, an increasing number of children. And so that's a beautiful thing. It gives us more opportunity to do that biblical training and discipleship that we're talking about. Um, but we do need the structure of the leadership, whether it's like an assistant to me or secretary to me or some of the people who come in during the week to kind of like set things up and to kind of take things home and do that. Um, Unity Kids does not just happen on the day that the actual event is happening. If you know anything about kids, I mean, sometimes you end up being the glitter and the glue you know, ministry person, um, because there's a lot of things that we do and we use to get the point of discipleship across. So it's not just about instructing them with the word, but we try to engage them in discipleship by doing all the stuff behind that. So I would say, while we need the volunteers, um, the teachers, the helpers, even our grandparent role, that we're begging people who are maybe um, a current grandparent or want to be a grandparent to come down and just hold the babies, um, we really do need that structure of leadership to kind of help the stuff that happens during the week on your own schedule. It doesn't have to be just at the, at the um, services. So what you're saying is you can be involved in Unity Kids and not actually directly yes. work with the kids. So Yes, you can. If you're scared <laughs> of kids, there's still a place for you. All right. Well, fantastic. Thank you, Amber, for sharing all that this morning. And, uh, and if you're interested in knowing more about Unity Kids, you want to work directly with children, or if you want to simply serve the needs of raising up these young ones in Christ, please see Amber or one of the ladies that are associated with that table at our Unity Fair after church today. Uh, so now we got Jacob Medley, no stranger to anybody here. This guy has usually got his hands in a lot of pies here uh, at this church, and uh, grateful for you, brother. All right, so uh, introduce just a little bit about yourself, what you do here at Unity. Um, my name is Jacob Medley. Um, right now, as far as this conversation goes, I'll lead up our missions and evangelism team um, here at Unity, um, locally um, in Ashland. It's our Jerusalem ministry. I've marketed it some as our community, and I'll, I'll explain a little bit about that um, later. But um, yeah, right now I just kind of forefront run into missions as God leads us in Ashland. Uh, that's, there's a structure, but it's also loose enough to where where the Lord leads us, we can go and be. So, Okay. Um, well, we've talked a lot about like purposes and purpose statements and things for ministries and the church and such. Uh, what would you say, if, do you would you say that you have a purpose statement so far? And all a purpose yeah. statement is, is really trying to understand how your ministry biblically lines up with what God wants us to do. So like I said just a second ago, I've been marketing our missional events in town as community, and that's C-O-M-E. Um, the word come means to approach or move toward a particular person or place. And so we as a group, as a team, want to move towards our broken community with the hope of Jesus, with the gospel. Our purpose is to be a witness where we are. That's right out of Acts 1-8. You know, Jesus says, you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Um, to love God and love people, that's the great, or the great commandment out of Matthew 22. Um, you know, we would love him with all that we are and that we would love others the same way. And then um, that we would make disciples, Matthew 28, 19 yeah. through 20, that we are actively 
not just meeting the needs of our community, but pursuing them as Jesus has and, and loving them and um, finding out where they are with Christ and then helping them along that path. Okay. Now, a lot of times we don't see in churches, uh, one of the easiest things to let go, I think, is evangelism and missions. And pretty soon we can just start seeing ourselves as just a body of people that meets together for religious services and we go home. Uh, and, and instead, what you're doing is you're helping us lead as a church uh, an intentional outreach to our community. Why is that so important for a church, Jacob? Um, well, I'd say one, a church that isn't passionate about missions and evangelism isn't doing the purpose of the church. Yep. Um, but it's missions and evangelism isn't a call to the spiritual elite. You know, it's it's not just Pastor Heath's call, Pastor Brad's call, Theron's call, um, our Sunday school teachers' call. Like, it's not their call. It's the call to all Christians everywhere. Um, you know, like I said earlier, Acts one eight says, "You will be my witness." That means you will be. Um, Jesus doesn't leave it for room. Um, in Second Timothy four five, we're told to do the work of an evangelist. And again, in Matthew twenty eight nineteen through twenty, we're told to go make disciples. Um, and this looks different for everyone at different stages um, using their spiritual gifting, but you still don't get to hang up and say, well, I'm, I'm not called to discipleship. I'm not called to missions. I'm not called to evangelize. Like you are in your realm of influence, in your space, um, as God has kind of equipped and molded you. Um, it doesn't mean that everybody is going to go out on the corners of Ashland and share the gospel the same way that Heathwood or Andrew Wood or anybody like that, but where you are in your space of work or, um, you know, coming alongside of us for intentional um, missions and evangelism, you will um, be Jesus' witness and be able to communicate the gospel. Um, you know, let me see. Uh, right now, we are intentionally praying for laborers. Um, Matthew 9, Jesus looks out to the crowd. He says there's he, he has compassion for the crowd. They're helpless and hurting. And Jesus tells the disciples, pray for more laborers to come into my harvest. Um, Jesus wants us in the game. Like, Jesus wants you in the game, um, in the lost spaces, the community. Jesus is about sinners. Um, he's about lostness. We should be as well. You know, it is our Christian birthright as church members, as Christians at Unity Baptist, to reach our surrounding area with the gospel. You know, that is... Um, that's our call. And so that's why I would say it's so important that we would be obedient mm -hmm. to the call of Christ. Well, if you could just highlight some uh, opportunities, like people may be hearing this about evangelism and mission, and we all recognize it's super important. Maybe it's on your heart. God is leading you that direction. What are some ways that people can get connected to be involved in evangelism and missions ministry here at Unity? Um, so first of all, like he said, it takes a lot of people to do missions and evangelism. I will not turn anybody away. Um, and I will not stick anybody in a space that they're super uncomfortable. We've got all kinds of um, different jobs for laborers to do mm -hmm. as we go out to um, our mission sites. Um, it can be as simple as handing out food, um, striking up conversation, playing cornhole, um, distributing um, you know, needs-based items. Um, but also, right now, our biggest need is people being able to make disciples intentionally. You know, we don't want to be a philanthropic group, that we're just coming alongside of you, meeting a need, and taking care of that, but that we truly want to bring the love of Jesus and um, his gospel message. And to do that, we need people ready to disciple people as they come to a place where they know Christ, or if they're in a space where they, they're Christian, they believe, but they don't really have any any more depth in their relationship. So um, people ready to make disciples is, is one thing I'm, I'm really needing. Amen. Yeah, so that is a part of missions. We remember the Great Commission. It's not just to go out and make converts. It, God's goal is not just to fill giant coliseums full of people sitting in a church pew. Uh, his goal is to make us mature and healthy disciples of Jesus Christ. And that involves re finding out where people are and using whatever means we necessary to build those relationships, uh, to share the gospel, but to take them beyond that and to disciple people to make them mature believers in Jesus Christ. And so I think something that often intimidates people about the thought of getting involved in evangelism missions is I'm going to be one of those people knocking on doors, but that's, that's not our primary evangelistic no. method here at this church, is it? No. Um, I've done very little door-to-door -door evangelism, actually. Um, we've got a few sites specific in Ashland that we've made connections with. Um, one particularly is our, our Scope Tower um, mm -hmm. focus. Love the people down there. God is just 
opened up so many doors um, for their hearts to be changed, for them to be met with the gospel, and then for relationships to truly build. And that's the approach I take a lot of times for evangelism. Yes, there is an immediate need to evangelize sometimes, but for the most part, I long game it. I meet a person, I talk with them, um, I see where they're at with Christ, and then um, just kind of follow his leading there. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of just, if, if you can talk with people, you can do evangelism. Um, and, and it's in a space where you don't have to go by yourself. There's a group of us, and uh, it would try and make it as natural as possible. Amen. So you heard it here first, cornhole evangelism. If you're into that... Uh, you'd like to just play some games and get to know people. That's really all evangelism is, friends. It means that you care about people enough that you're willing to get outside of your comfort zone of just your personal friendships and family just to have conversations with people. Remember Jesus in John 4 had a conversation with the woman at the well. All he did was start a cup conversation about water and pretty soon it led to the gospel. That's all this is. And if you don't know how to share the gospel, stick around uh, as a church and as an evangelism team, we will equip you to share the gospel. And if this is interesting to you uh, to help out in some way administratively, because we need mm -hmm. some people that are just administrators. Maybe you're not good up front with people. That's okay. We need administrators and organizers, uh, people to help coordinate yeah. Uh, because a lot of our evangelism is needs-based ministry drive and things. And so, and drive a bus. Fantastic. So if you're interested in knowing more about evangelism ministry, uh, missions ministry, uh, please talk to Jacob or one of the folks that are around his table this morning. Thank you, Jacob. Perfect. And we'll call up Brad now. No stranger to anybody. Brad's been around here for a couple of years. No? Yeah. All right. Well, brother, I, I don't know that we have to do a whole lot of introduction for you, but just for the sake of maybe folks who are visiting here today, who are you? What do you do? I'm Brad. Hi. Um, I am the student pastor and the education pastor. So, uh, and I do other duties as assigned by the pastor. Right. Been accused of that. Right. Okay. <laughs> but that's me. Um, I can tell you a little bit about our student ministry. Um, our student ministry is, uh, man, well, pretty much started back in the 50s. Um, but uh, they've had some great quality leaders uh, over the, the test of time. Uh, I would say two of the best leaders that they've ever had, ever had, um, is Kevin and Wanda Riddle. So... <laughs> Um, and I don't say that because they're, the, they're my in-laws. Yeah, you can clap. Or, yeah. Um, but they are my in-laws. I love you guys. Uh, but I really do. Um, they, they really helped uh, me see my calling uh, to student ministry. And so, um, you know, student ministry is, uh, in, my opinion, in my opinion, is, is really vital. Um, especially within the church. Amen. Now you, in addition to youth ministry, you also uh, oversee our education ministry as well. How do people get involved with that? Yeah, so um, education, uh, you know, when, when I went to school uh, to study uh, to be a student pastor, um, education was not anywhere near it. Uh, and, you know, started working here at Unity, and they said, hey, we need an education pastor. And I said, what is that? I don't know what that is. Uh, so, um, you know, through a lot of uh, self-training and going to uh, conferences and things like that, uh, been able to grasp a better idea uh, of what education uh, for the church is. And, and really, the education ministry is, uh, it helps us to develop and strengthen and grow uh, believers young to old um, in a great spiritual foundation uh, for the Lord so to be a, to be many Christs little Christs uh, within our community uh, and so uh, to get a part of the education ministry um, you know if you want to be a teacher uh, community group leader um, maybe maybe there's somebody out here that hasn't been asked. Um, maybe maybe there's a Timothy sitting in the pew, um, and and you're just waiting for somebody to say, I, I want that opportunity. Like, I want that opportunity. Hey, you can come. Come see me. Come find me. Or if you're in a community group, grab your community group leader and say, hey, I, could I be your Timothy? 
um, and they will be like, absolutely, you know, I, I know they will. Okay, so that's a little bit about how they can get involved in education. <clears throat> what would you say are some of your most urgent needs as far as youth ministry goes here? How can people get involved if they have a real passion uh, for working with teens? I would say uh, one of our most urgent needs uh, within the student ministry, we are uh, jumping into, we do discipleship group uh, trainings and, and things like that through the summer. Uh, we have had a good number of people who have surrendered to the ministry, especially over this past year. Um, so God is doing some great work uh, within our students. And we kind of want to go, uh, at camp this year, uh, we heard it from the stage uh, from one of the camp pastors. He said, um, and, and Jacob has alluded to this uh, sometimes whenever he's uh, shared the pulpit with, with Heath and stuff. Um, is about being a deep lifer for Christ, right? And so uh, we want to invest uh, a little bit deeper uh, within our students. So we, we really need to have, um, as you see on the screen there, um, we need to have uh, two male uh, leaders, two female leaders for our D groups. And, and what this D group is, we, we're going to launch them in January, and uh, we'll go until... Uh, about May, but um, we're going to walk them through the seeds book. So many of you who are th in our discipleship program here uh, at Unity are familiar with that. So uh, if you are are interested in in investing and in, in doing that Titus two relationship, um, man, come see me. Amen. Well, the beautiful thing about this, too, is they go through some of this discipleship as they move out and transition from youth ministry to, say, college and career and, and out here amongst the rest of y'all. Um, they're up to speed as to what we're doing as far as discipleship as a church. So thank you so much, Brad, for all your work here. If you're interested in working with education or with uh, youth, would you see Brad or one of his team at the table in the gymnasium later on? All right. Thank you, Brad. Theron. Once again, no stranger. You see this guy's mug every, every Sunday morning, so you got a, probably a rough idea as to what he's about to introduce. Theron, tell us a little bit about what's going on. I am the pastor of worship arts and communication here at the church. Most of you know me as the pastor of worship because you see me every Sunday in, in the services and stuff. But I also oversee the communication responsibilities of the church, and that's everything from working with Janie for our newsletter and communication that goes out, uh, creating a lot of the graphics and stuff that you see on screen, and some of the videos and things as well that are part of our worship service. Amen. Well, uh, do you have anything you'd like to share with us as far as like a, a purpose statement or like Absolutely. why? What's important about about uh, worship arts? The purpose of our worship arts ministries here at the church is to lead all generations to express worship to God. And that falls right in line with our church purpose as well. One of the things that has always been on my heart is about multi-generational worship. Worship is supposed to be for all ages, from the youngest to the oldest. And what's happened, unfortunately, over the past 20, 30 years that I have been in ministry is that the churches in America kind of went to a point where they started segregating, and they would have services for youth and services for children. And they'd have services for young adults and services for median-age adults, and then they'd have a senior adult service. And everybody was isolated, and that's not the picture of the church. The church is all ages. You look around this room, and there are all so many different ages in here. This is what a healthy church is supposed to look like. Amen. But then that creates the issue that we need to have worship that's multi-generational as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, some of our young children, you know, they're listening to music, and our youth are listening to music that maybe some of you senior adults, adults don't listen to. And senior adults, you've been singing some songs for decades that our youth and children don't know. Well, in worship, we can all learn those together, and everybody can learn something new. But the great joy in that is that we're doing it together. You know, I can remember growing up in church, or growing up in, with my family, and when I was a little kid, and we would go to grandma's for Christmas or Thanksgiving, we always had the kid table. You know, and I can remember how much fun it was, and how excited I looked forward to finally being able to sit at the grown-up table when I got old enough. But you know, in our family, and we have six kids, for those of you who don't know us, we've never done that. We've always had a table together. We've kept this all together because that's where we learn. The young ones learn from the older ones, and the older ones find joy and energy from the younger ones. And that's what worship is about, so leading all generations to express worship. Amen. So what I'm gathering from you here is that worship arts is far more than just singing, that there is much more to it than that. What is so important about worship arts? What is it contributing to the body of Christ and the mission of God itself that, that we should be involved with it? 
Well, worship arts and the worship in, in general has so many elements to it. But one of the, number one, it's expressive. It, you're supposed to express your worship to God. Scripture tells us and gives us commands, sing praise. Give your praise. It doesn't say, oh, yeah, if you feel like it today. It says, do it. And so that's part of it. So we gather together to actually do that. And, you know, sometimes we walk in here and we're distracted. I, you know, there are times I come here, I can promise you there are times on Sunday morning when my alarm goes off. I'm not necessarily wanting to get up and, you know, and get dressed and come here because life hits and it can be overwhelming. But the thing is, he is so worthy of it. And we do it. We come. And as we come into the service, we can turn our hearts and our minds towards God and focus on that. And so that's one of the parts of it. But it's also, it's educational and informative how many of you will leave here today, and it may not be one of the songs that we sang today, but some song that you've heard in church or sang in church that you'll carry those lyrics with you, you'll carry those thoughts with you, and sometimes that'll come back during the middle of the week. How often do some of the, the songs that are just plain scripture that we sing, that you can carry that with you in the middle of the week and have that? I mean, I, I can remember, um, Noel, I'm going to put you on the spot, but I remember just you know, a while back, you know, Noel had sung in the choir, and one of the songs the choir did, she just came up and she said, this song has so... It's, impacted me so much and even during the week she talked about did a video about how she that came to her during the middle of the week at work we learn so much through our worship and as we give we can grow as loving God and our devotion to him and that's why it's so important Amen. So if you're interested in worship arts, which involves, obviously, uh, our, our choral ministries, our music ministries of various kinds, instrumental, vocal, and it also includes media, you know, and just what we portray up here, how we can best communicate what God is doing at Unity Baptist Church to the church. What are some ways that people can get involved with this ministry if they're interested in this? Absolutely. There are great ways you can get involved. If you just want, like, an intro level to get involved, you can come join the choir. That's open for anybody. You don't even have to read music. We'll work with you. We'll teach you. That's one thing I was thinking about with everybody else up here. All these ministries we have, you may think, I'd like to get involved in that, but I don't know how to do it. Trust yeah. me, we'll train you. Everybody up here, we've got people, we'll train you, so don't let that That's hold right. you back. Same thing with choir. Um, from a musical standpoint, if you play an instrument, you are welcome to try to come over and join us in the orchestra. Right now, we need a bass player. So yeah. I've been talking to, to a young man, working with that. We're trying to see if that can happen, but you know, we're always looking for instrumentalists to do that. Mm -hmm. We need um, particular help. Um, in, uh, we need a, the church needs a social media manager. We yep. need someone who can take it upon themselves to say, you know, working and coordinating with me uh, as we coordinate with the church staff to say, I'm going to manage the church's Facebook page and our, you know, and make sure that we are being very active with that because that's a great way to communicate to our community. But honestly and truthfully, it takes some time and there's a lot of stuff on my plate that I don't necessarily get to it every week. Yep. So that's a great need. Um, we need photographers and videographers. If you are interested in taking on a mantle of saying, you know what, when we have a church event, I will bring my camera and I will take pictures and I will get them to you, Theron, so that we can use them. That would be a great thing as well because I've been relying upon people who take pictures there and I try to take pictures, some of those myself, but it would just be great to have somebody who says, I'm willing to serve that. I can do it. I'd love to do it. And so you can speak to me afterwards. The other thing we've got this year is we're doing Christmas on Mission. And we're going out and taking our Christmas program, our Tree of Lights, to our mission points in the community. I need some coordinators for that. I need someone to help kind of coordinate the kind of the, the block party atmosphere and, and the things we're going to do for that. And then also somebody to take care of Christmas boxes, which um, if you have more information about that, you'll hear about it more in the next few weeks. But if you want more information about that, you can meet me in the gym and I'll give you more information about that. But it's kind of like a coordinator for someone who's coordinated like the Christmas shoe boxes that we've done before. Mm -hmm. We're going to do the same type of thing, Christmas boxes, but it's specifically for our local mission points. We're not shipping them away this year. We've got some specific needs we want to do for those mission points. Amen. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you don't have to necessarily be a singer, even a musician, to be involved in worship arts. You just have to believe strongly in that. We need administrators. We need people who have a good eye for cameras, videos, uh, social media managers. Uh, all of this falls under Theron, but it doesn't mean Theron does all this. It's impossible for one man to do everything. So, But it does mean that he helps see that it's done, but he can't oversee something if, if we aren't here supporting that. And so I encourage you to give some careful thought and prayerful thought as to getting involved with this. Thank you, Theron. Uh, Stephanie, <clears throat> we all know Stephanie, her and Jamie are just bundles of joy here at this church, we are so thankful you all are here, so, all right, for the, for the three people who don't know you, uh, would you go ahead and introduce Hi, yourself, I'm and, Stephanie, <laughs> and I am part of the hospitality, can I encourage you to use the microphone, oh, yes. there we go, <laughs> I know they can project, but we're, we're uh, <laughs> this is for our folks at home, <laughs> okay, hi, I am Stephanie, and I am part of the hospitality team, Specifically, I'm on the welcome team. Amen. Yeah, so. 
All right, well, what are some of the ministries that are involved with what you guys do and what are some of the things that y'all do? The hospitality team is made up of four different teams um, and each one of those teams have different rotating groups. Mm -hmm. I am on the welcoming team and that is the team that will, um, we roam around on Sunday mornings before and after the service and we say hi to you and we try to connect you. We try to see people who are maybe not connected and we try to connect them, um, visitors and members alike. Then we also, you know, just try to bring an attitude, an environment of a loving, welcoming environment here on Sunday mornings. There's also the starting point desk, and that's a different group of people, and they uh, they welcome all the guests that come in those front doors down there, and they also try to get the visitors, and they talk to them and try to get them to feel welcome and connected. And um, another team is the visitor team, and they are focused on the visitors, of course, and they follow up with the visitors and try to make them feel comfortable and help them find their place here at Unity, if this is where the Lord is going to lead them to. Amen. Yeah, so they are an organized team, and they look for ways to do that and understand, you know, what the Lord's doing here. Help them understand what we do here at Unity and what you know, they can do here at Unity and just connect them to their place. And then we also have an usher team, and you've seen them. They wander around here. They're scattered about the auditorium and sometimes outside. And they're just a group of people who help um, help you find your place. They help you uh, find things that you need to know about the church. Mm-hmm. Just any kind of information you need to know, go to them. Amen. And so one thing that we have actually heard quite a bit from our visitors and things is that Unity Baptist Church, you guys have done very well at being a welcoming body. People feel very loved when they come here to this church, and they should, because this is God's family here. Uh, but I will say that uh, that kind of friendliness isn't, doesn't just happen by accident. It happens from the Holy Spirit filling each one of us to get outside of ourselves, to meet other people, and with the intentionality yes. of teams here who say, you know what, it's important that people feel loved and welcomed and uh, Even when we're not on duty, I'm going to add this. Like, I've yeah. met three different visitors this morning in the gym yeah. and in the hall. Right. So, you know, we're always on we're always on point trying to minister to people. Thank you. Trying to get them where they need to go. Why is it so important, Stephanie, that we're, that we're a friendly, welcoming church, that we focus on hospitality? Well, we, we, are, we exist to stir one another to good works. That's what we do. Amen. Through a loving and creating environment in our church, we use the gifts of Hospitality, mm-hmm. serving, helps, encouragement, administration, evangelism, and discernment, just to name a few. And we help just try to find, help everyone find their place here at Unity. Okay, so you've mentioned a few ways that people can get involved in hospitality. Are there any other highlights, any urgent needs that you'd like to mention? Sure. All of these teams could use anyone with a desire to stir one another to good works or just help people connect. I mean, that's what we're here for. We try to help you connect to where you need to be. And uh, so please stop by our table later on and just see us and see where you could use your gifts and your talents to just serve the Lord here. Okay, so you don't have to be a strongly extroverted person. You just have to be, you just have to be friendly. Can you smile? You know, some of you, okay, three or four. Uh, can you smile? Can you, be, can you show the love of Christ? Yes. You know, welcome someone into this church like you would your own home. And so thank you, okay. Stephanie, for sharing You're this. Welcome. If you want to be involved in please hospitality ministry, see Stephanie or one of the many folks who are connected to our hospitality ministries. Thank you. And finally, we have Noelle. She is probably the, one of the hardest workers in this church that you don't know. So she does a lot uh, with many of you behind the scenes in helping make us operate well as a church. So I want to thank you for that. And uh, even just being willing to represent, she represents a, a whole host of different ministries here today. So tell us uh, who you are a little bit about what you do here at Unity. I'm Noelle, um, and I am currently serving on the service team, uh, more specifically uh, leading the fellowship portion of this team. Uh, So like he said, we are a big umbrella of multiple um, different teams. We have the event planning team, the fellowship team, the helping hands, um, the carpentry, decorating, organizing team. We have a bereavement team and a new team, the serving widows team. Uh, So to give you a little bit more detail on them, uh, the event team, uh, these are evangelistical outreaches. Um, This is an opportunity for us to get the gospel out to the community. So um, whether we are just having conversations that um, are gospel-centered or just loving on our community, um, these are like the Easter carnivals and the impact weekends. 
Um, and then the fellowship team, um, this one is more intentionally designed to help create family members. Um, so these are our dinner on the grounds, our ice cream socials, um, anything that's family oriented. Um, opportunities where we can just relax and play and get to know each other a little bit well. Um, that way we can serve well together. Um, the Helping Hands team, this is often where people kind of first plug into Unity. Um, they're the ones that are serving the food, cleaning up, um, decorating, whatever we need to do. They're just kind of the ones that are offering their act of service. Um, they just have that spiritual gift and they are just helping serve people. Um, and the carpentry, decorating, organizing team, they're helping us create spaces to function. Um, just being able to create a place that is safe and organized, um, that way we can accomplish the mission of Christ. Uh, the bereavement meal team, they cook, bake, and provide food for people who are hurting. Um, and the serving widows team, this one's a new one, um, and it's just looking for people that um, can go and have personal conversations and just love on those that uh, might be hurting. Amen. Thank you. There's a lot of those ministries you may not know take place because a lot of the things that Noel is representing here today are behind the scenes ministry. So maybe you're somebody, you don't feel comfortable being up front. You don't like to teach. I don't know how much are you, how much are you loving this right now? Okay. So you, maybe you don't love, love to be up front in teaching or singing or preaching, uh, but you know that God has called you to serve him in some way. There are a multitude of things that uh, in ways that God could use you in doing the behind the, the, the scenes work and the activities here. No, uh, Noelle, what happens to Unity Baptist Church if all of our service teams go down? So if we don't have service teams, we can't, we can't serve well together. We don't, we don't know each other. We don't know how to work as a church body and we're just separated. And um, you know, the purpose of this team is to use the gifts of service that the Lord gives us in any way, in any creative way possible uh, to get the gospel of Christ out to the community um, and just to consistently and creatively live the gospel out. Amen. It's super important. If we don't have this, all these events and things that you see happening don't happen. We won't be having our ministry fair. We won't have our, our impact weekend. We won't have our spring uh, carnival outreach. We won't have our, our Christmas outreaches. None of these things happen apart from our ministry teams, our fellowships, our, our food. Okay, we got your attention yet. Our lunches and meals and things, those don't happen apart from this team. And so uh, if you could highlight just any urgent job needs, uh, how can people plug in if they want to get involved? So we just need willing servants. Uh, mm -hmm. We just need people who um, are willing to serve. Um, like he said, a lot of it's behind the scenes. So if you don't care to stick something in the oven or if you don't care to blow up balloons or whatever it may be to just get the event um, organized and ready. Uh, we just need hands. Um, all of the events, they take lots of people, um, and the more people we have, the less time and the less stress it, it seems. So um, we just need, if you guys like to serve, if we would love to talk to you in the gym about where you can plug in. And um, like I said, I'm just part of the fellowship team, but there's all kinds of team leaders um, and all kinds of servants here in this that we would love to help you get plugged in. Amen. The, the Bible says that on these parts of the body, these, these service members of the body that aren't as visible and as seen, we need to bestow greater honor. So we're thankful for each one of you who serve behind the scenes. Nobody knows what you do except you and Jesus a lot of times. And you know that's enough. Uh, but as a body of Christ, we just want to thank you for your service. Uh, thank you, Noelle, for representing this. If you're interested in one of these behind-the-scenes type of ministry, please see Noelle or one of her friends out at the table here after the church service. But in the meantime, would you just give a hand for all those who've been serving so much within this church? All right, thank you. And y'all can go ahead and have a seat here. If a couple of you don't mind, don't mind just help pull some of this back here and... We'll transition into, don't worry, we do not have an hour-long sermon coming. Y'all can breathe a collective sigh of relief here. But we do have a, a few words that we'd like to just share with you uh, from the Bible here. So if you want to open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4 in verse 10. You'll remember these last couple of weeks, we have shared with you a little bit about that unity funnel. And that unity funnel, you saw it in our, our little 
bumper video that we had earlier, and it just shows that funnel of big church, which is where you are now, uh, community groups where many of you just came from, and it goes down to D groups, and then at the end of that unity funnel is a, a graphic that says, servants, ministers, people who are serving. It's in getting involved in the mission of God. And that's the goal of disciple making. It really is. It's to produce Christ-like disciples who honor Jesus Christ through using your spiritual gifts. Okay? That's the end goal. The end goal of discipleship is not to make you smart. Have you figured that out? The end goal of discipleship is not a bunch of highly educated people who know a lot about the Bible. That's often what we think of when we think of discipleship. Oh, I know a lot about the Bible. Well, great, so did the Pharisees. James 2.19, even the demons have a lot of Bible knowledge. So you can be a demon, you can be a Pharisee and just know a lot about the Bible. So the end goal of the church is not simply education to keep feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding. If you just eat and eat and eat and never exercise, what happens? You look like me, okay? You, d you don't, we aren't meant just to consume calories, are we? We're meant to use those calories for a purpose, and that is so that we can serve the body of Christ. My job as a pastor, honestly, is outlined very clearly for me in Ephesians chapter four and verse 11 through 12. It's, it talks about how God gave all these different spiritual gifts and these different roles you know, within the church. And it talks about pastors and shepherds and teachers and what is their job? To equip, that means to prepare you for something, to give you the tools necessary to do it, but to equip the saints, who's the saints? That's you, it's the noun form of sanctified. If you've been sanctified by Jesus Christ, if you are born again, if you're going to heaven, you're a saint. Ladies, your husband's a saint. Marto, what you think of him? That's y'all. My job is to equip the saints, that's all of us, and equip you and release pieces of the ministry so that we can do them together. My job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. If the, the saints are not doing the work of the ministry, then we're an unhealthy church. And so we're gonna look just at this single verse in 1 Peter chapter four. This is one of four spiritual gifts passages in the Bible, and he simply says this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Okay, so Peter is addressing a group of people who are suffering greatly. Uh, they're under Nero's reign. You all remember Nero from history class? He wasn't a great emperor. In fact, towards Christians, uh, he would sometimes he would take Christians and sew them into the bodies of dead animals and throw them to the dogs to be ripped apart. That's a really bad way to go. Uh, he would dip Christians in wax and tie them to a tree and light them on fire. And then he would celebrate and have a garden party in the middle. This is Nero. This is the people to whom Peter is writing. In other words, it's a very hostile world. World did not love Christians. By the way, the world, does it still love Christians? Go ahead and start posting on Facebook all the things that you believe and all of your moral positions and see how many friends you still have left. This world is not open and friendly to Christians anymore. Have you realized we're not the home team? You know, back in the 40s when we were just so thankful that God got us through World War II, you know, the America had a really great view of Christianity. Praise God and pass the ammunition is what it was. And so we're, we were all gung-ho until about, you know, started losing steam in the 90s and then, well, here we are today. And so we're not the home team anymore. In fact, it feels a little bit more like if you were to wear a Kentucky Wildcats jersey, and then go over to Duke University and sit in one of their games. You ever try that? I recommend it. Uh, you go there, are you feeling like an outsider? Are people sneering at you, looking at you funny, giving you bad names? You may be spat upon. Somebody may accidentally spill their drink on you. They're just, they don't like you. But then while you're in this coliseum full of literally blue devils, okay, you're in the middle of that coliseum of devils and they're looking at you funny and then you spot somebody else with a different shade of blue. They're wearing Kentucky Wildcats jersey and what's going through your mind? Those are the people I wanna sit next to. I'm, I'm looking for empty seats. I wanna be near them. I wanna be close to them. People who don't hate me. People that understand me. And that really is largely what the church is for us today. We live in a hostile world. They don't love our Jesus. They don't love your moral positions. Go discuss abortion or homosexuality with your friends and see what they think of you. They don't, they don't like you. They're gonna hiss. Jesus says, they will hate you for my sake. You're telling the world that their good works are filthy rags and that there's nothing that they can do to earn their way to eternal life. They're, they're gonna hate that message. 
And so in an increasingly hostile world, the church becomes more important to our life than ever before, a place where people understand you. They have the same Jesus, the same Holy Spirit, the same goals in life. And so the church becomes very, very important to us. And so Peter, to these people writing about the importance of the church body together, starts talking about using our spiritual gifts, and he teaches us four things. The first thing is that everybody has a spiritual gift. Peter says, as each has received a gift. A spiritual gift is not a talent, but it's a divine enablement. It's an ability that God gives you to serve the church. Okay? It could be something like teaching and preaching, these obvious ones. It could be service, helps, mercy. These are all spiritual gifts. Each one of us, Peter says, has a gift. We receive that gift the moment that we are made a believer in Jesus Christ. The moment you place your faith in him, the Bible promises us that God sends his Holy Spirit to indwell us. That means he lives within us. Romans 8, 9 says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. In fact, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, what does he say? Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And so if you're a believer today, if you are heaven bound, you have the Holy Spirit within you and it reveals itself in certain ways, okay? And one of those is uh, obviously through the fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5, 22, 23, talk about the fruit or the outgrowth of a Christian life is spiritual fruit. It means that when you become a believer, one of the evidences of the indwelling Holy Spirit within you is not that you have your name written in the front cover of the Bible, I know I'm going to heaven. I chanted a mantra, mm, Jesus, mm, save me from my sins, amen. You know, that we just do some mantra, it really didn't touch our hearts. But the evidence that the Holy Spirit is within you is that you see increasingly you're a loving person, increasingly you are a joyful person, you're a peaceful person, you're patient, even at traffic lights. Okay? You are a kind person. You're looking out for the needs of others. You're a self-controlled person. All of these things become yours and increasing. You're growing in all of these categories in your life. Wow, it's because the Holy Spirit's in you. Well, the Bible also says there's another manifestation of the Holy Spirit that is in your life. Okay, And the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, it's the usage of our spiritual gifts that we manifest. Or to manifest means that you take something that's invisible you can't see it, but then you do something that gives evidence of that invisible thing. It's a word, that Greek word actually is used in the word theophany, where God, who's invisible, all of a sudden presents himself and makes himself visible. I'm going to grab out of my backpack here a fun little object lesson. I'm sorry, it's not a bag of candy for those of you on the front row. I have here a, you guys are sharp, you're even paying attention. Okay, so I got a flashlight here. Now, when you have a flashlight, a flashlight is designed for a specific purpose. It looks like this, it fits in my hand. We don't have, you know, flashlight balls where we just, because that's not really useful. Uh, but we, so it's made to fit our hands, it's made to do a particular function. Now, this flashlight here, does it have batteries? You say yes, you have no idea. You know, <laughs> this is an object lesson. This thing may be completely empty, you know, just like our stomachs right now. Okay, so flashlight, it ha we say it has batteries. It's supposed to have batteries. It's supposed to draw upon the power of the battery, but you really don't know. You have to take it, take my word for it, take it by faith that this has batteries in it. Now, how do you know if this thing has batteries? Because I got a flashlight. Anybody paying attention now? Okay, that's a pretty bright one. Uh, it's on. It's supposed to illumine dark places, and so I turn on this flashlight, and that's how you know that it possesses the batteries. It possesses life. It possesses the ability to do something. The Bible says that this very much is like the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. A manifestation of the Holy Spirit is that we have light, and it shows Matthew 5, 17 talks about that we're to let our light shine before men. It's a command to shine that light. And specifically, how does, he, how does Jesus describe shining that light? He says that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How do you glorify God? It's by shining your light. It's by doing good works, literally benevolent works toward other people that we utilize our spiritual gift. So the utilization of our spiritual gift is evidence that you have the spirit of God within you. But if we don't do good works, if we're not involved in the work of God, what we're asking people to do is say, I have batteries in my light. I just want you to take my word for it. It never shines, I know. It never turns on, it never does anything, it never serves God, but I have the Holy Spirit within me. I just want you to take my word for it. Well, we shouldn't have to take your word for it. It's something that we all do, we long to do. 
is to utilize that gift that God gave us, to shine our lights, to utilize that spiritual gift that God has given to us. So number two, the purpose of spiritual gift is to benefit others. First Peter 4.10 says, as each has received a gift, so every one of you have a spiritual gift, he says, use it, manifest it. You have this spiritual gift. The moment you're saved, God puts a flashlight in your hand and God says, use it. The purpose of a flashlight is not to just sit there with a battery. The purpose of a, of a flashlight is not to simply possess a battery. The purpose of a flashlight is to tap in and draw upon its power to do something functional and useful for mankind. That's what a spiritual gift is. God doesn't give you the Holy Spirit when you're born again simply so you can say, I possess the Holy Spirit, I'm going to heaven. He gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can let our light shine. Y'all tired of this yet? Let our light shine and use that spiritual gift, not to be simply possessors of the Holy Spirit, but people who tap into his power and utilize that gift to serve one another. In fact, he says, use it, to serve one another. This is a Greek word, diakoneo. Doesn't matter to you much, but what, do we, what word comes from that? Deacon. Deacons, where we get the word deacon, which just means a servant, okay? Now, the first official servants of the church in Acts 6 had a specific role that they had to do. The, those who were leading the church had, you know, the ministry of the prayer and the word was their priority, but there were some people within the church who felt like they fell through the cracks. Nobody notices me. Okay, so there was these old ladies who were part of the church's distribution of food. Some of them felt like I'm not being noticed. And so the Bible didn't say, well, pastors, work 70 hours a week. No, it says, let's gather together these official servants of the church and let's let them help attend to the needs of these people. In particular, this service was waiting upon tables of older ladies to make sure that they get fed their daily distribution of food. And okay, so that's what it meant to serve. This word serve literally means to wait upon, to attend to the needs of somebody else. You ever been a waiter or a waitress? Some of you, uh, some of the best years of your life, right? Okay, so it, it, it's not easy work, is it? Because when you go show up at a restaurant, some of you are gonna do that. In just a few minutes, you're gonna show up at a restaurant and you're gonna sit down, you're gonna go down to the Olive Garden or whatever, and you're gonna sit down. You expect this waitress to come and to serve your needs, don't you? Now, it doesn't matter where she came from. A lot of times these waitresses, they come from difficult lives just like we do. And so maybe, they're, maybe she's a single mom. Maybe her husband's not paying child support. Maybe the kid's acting up and she just dropped off at school or... Uh, she's having a hard day. Had a flat tire on the way to work. Okay, she had a bad day. She shows up, but what do you expect her to do when she comes to wait upon your needs at the table? You expect her to be prompt, or it could be a him, could be a waiter. Uh, you expect them to uh, be attentive to your needs, to be friendly. I mean, most of you want a friendly waiter or waitress, right? Not someone who's like, yeah, what do you want? You know, you want someone who's friendly, even though maybe she had a bad day you now have to set that aside and attend to my needs. That's your expectation. You expect her to tell you what the special is. You expect them to give you extra ketchup or salad dressing. You expect them, when your drink starts getting low, any of y'all ever rationed your drink, you're getting low, and you're like, man, where's that waitress? I better save the last little bit in case I get thirsty. Because you hate running dry, and nothing like a glass of ice that is just frustrating when you're eating. So it gets down to about two-thirds empty. You're just, you're kind of, <clears throat> honey, will you grab her attention? And you want her just to notice that your drink is almost gone and to just immediately take care of that intuitively, instinctively. That's what it means to wait upon. Do you know that's the exact term that Peter is using here to describe how we utilize our spiritual gifts? You may come from a difficult time outside the church, but when we come into the church, okay, that we are now attentive to the needs of other people. Yeah, you had a difficult time. Is there anybody here who's not going through a difficult time? Your life is flawless. There is nothing about it in which you would change. I see no hands, okay. so. Every one of us, we come into this church hurting, don't we? You've got family members who are sick. You yourself might be recovering from a sickness or a surgery. You yourself might be sad. Maybe one of your kids bowed up against you and you had a bad day. Some of you maybe had an argument with your mate on the way to church. The ones who are laughing, that's you. Um, okay, that happens to us. And so you come to church and we're hurting, but you know what? We still attend to and serve the needs of other people in the midst of the hurt. Like Jesus, while he's dying on the cross, what's he doing? He's attending to the needs of his mother. Mother, behold your son. Making sure that mama's taken care of. 
And that's how we as Christians serve. We serve in the midst of our pain. We use that gift, the Bible says, to serve one another, to wait upon them. Philippians 2 says in verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Now, as a church, how do we do church selfishly with selfish ambition and conceit? It means we show up to church and we fold our arms and we go, well, let's see if this church is okay. Is somebody going to talk to me? Is somebody going to make me feel welcome? Is somebody going to tell me happy birthday? Did nobody notice my birthday? Did nobody know it was my anniversary? Did nobody notice I got out of the hospital? Is nobody going to attend to my needs? That's selfish ambition or conceit. It means we come to church with the attitude of being served. And we get mad if people aren't attending to my needs. Why aren't people noticing me? The Bible says don't do anything out of that, but rather, he says, in humility... And then he defines humility for us. In humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. That when we come to church, my attitude isn't, I'm so important, why aren't people noticing me and how important I really am? It means that we come and it says in humility, we consider the needs of others more than myself. Yeah, maybe I had a really bad week. Maybe I could barely pay the bills. But when I come to church, I'm coming out here and I'm gonna check on my brother Danny here and say, Danny, how you doing, brother? You know, I heard you had a difficult week. Yeah, you had a difficult week too, but when I come to church, I'm focusing on other people. Now, we could just choose to focus on ourselves. You got one person looking out for you, but if we have an entire church of people looking attentively at one another, trying to take care of our needs, friends, you've got a whole group of people looking after you. But it takes faith to put the needs of others before your own. Number three, we're accountable to God for how we utilize that gift. 1 Peter 4.10 says, as each has received a gift, let him use it to serve one another as good stewards. A steward, uh, in the Greek, the word for house is oikos. It represents your household, your, your people, all of that. Um, and oikonomos, a house law, we get the word economy from it. It's, it's how your home operates together. Uh, uh, or that's oikonomia, rather. But an oikonomos is the person who manages the house. It's a steward. Now, something about an oikonomos, a steward, is they don't own the house. They don't own the people in the house. They don't own the things in the house. They simply manage it. A good example of this would be Joseph. He was a steward. Okay, he gets sold into slavery, gets bought by Potiphar. He comes into Potiphar's house, and he takes care of Potiphar's household and makes sure that it's in a healthy place. Joseph doesn't own anything in Potiphar's house, but he makes sure that it's, it's in a healthy place. The Bible says that with our spiritual gift and everything in our life, it all belongs to God. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's, the, the world and all who dwell therein. Do you live on this planet? Is there anybody who doesn't live on this planet other than politicians? You know, you're aware of what's happening here. All that, we belong to God. Paul would say later in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? It's another reference to the indwelling spirit of God within us. Do you not know that the Holy Spirit lives within you? He says, whom you have from God, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Paul, you see, Paul had this idea that if God sent his son to die for you and he gave up his own blood to purchase your life, that, that we have a responsibility to serve him. Is that reasonable? It is. We're going to look here at number four. We don't all serve in the same ways. Okay? Um, and by the way, just tagging one more thing on that line of stewardship. One of those things that we steward outside of our time and our money is our spiritual gift. How we utilize our spiritual gift, Peter calls it a stewardship. He says we use our gift as stewards of Jesus Christ. A steward, that, what that means is we're responsible for how we use it, and that God will have an account for us. Let me back up. Sorry, our PowerPoint, guys. We're going to back up to a verse I missed here. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10 says, whether we are at home or away, in other words, while we're alive or dead, we make it our aim to please him. That's the purpose of my life, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, the judgment seat of Christ isn't where God judges your sin. That was already done at the cross. But what will God judge for believers? How you used what I gave you. How'd you use your time? How'd you use your money? Do you give any to the Lord? Do you just keep it all for yourself and just try to live beyond your means? Your spiritual gift, I gave you a spiritual gift. How'd you use that to bless others? Or did you just kind of keep that to yourself? So we're all stewards and there's gonna come a day where we give an accounting to God. How did you use the things that I gave you to profit me? Now we can go to number four. 
So we don't all serve in the same way. As 1 Peter 4.10 says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's, he calls it a varied grace. Grace is anything God gives us that we don't deserve, which is everything. Okay, some may define grace as God's favor to the unworthy. Who's the unworthy? That's me. Okay, any good thing that comes into our life, anything that for which you are thankful at all, any measure of health, any measure of money, any measure of food, any measure of friendship, the Bible says, James 17 says, all of this comes from the Father of lights. Anything good in our life came from him. And so Peter calls this the privilege of serving God and using our spiritual gift. He calls it a grace. It's a privilege and honor to serve God, he's saying. I once watched a documentary on castles. I'm really into castles. I love them. I would tour every castle in the world if I got a chance. Uh, but I, I noticed that in this one castle documentary, there was a position within the, within the castle called the groom of the stool. The word stool ought to give you an idea as to what that job was. I'm not gonna go into great detail. Do we have to? Um, let's just say he attended to the intimate and sanitary needs of the king. And I thought, what a lousy job that is. I mean, who drew the short straw on that one to get the groom of the stool position? But you know, it was funny in this documentary, what they said is that it was one of the most highly sought after and fought over jobs in the whole castle, which is really odd because it's not something you would fight over to do for your little brother. Uh, you wouldn't do it for your neighbor. You wouldn't want to do it for your crazy uncle. Uh, but when it comes to the king, all of a sudden being the groom of the stool looks like a really great job because you are in service of the highest position in the entire land. And so even the lowest, most loathsome, foul job that we can imagine was an honor because it was done for the king. I think that's kind of what David had in mind in Psalm 8410 when he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I don't want to live in the tents of wickedness. I don't want to live like the rest of the world who just lives selfishly and thinks that this world is just all about what I can get from it. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in God's house. That's the lowest position. I mean, how much skill does it take to do this? Okay, it's the lowest position in the house. But David had the humility to say that as long as it's in the service of the king, even the lowest job is a great honor for me as a king. And so we don't all serve in the same ways, but it is grace. It is a privilege. It's an honor to know that the work that I'm expending is in the service of the one who created all things. But he also calls this grace a varied grace. It's a word that literally means variegated or multicolored. I think of a macaw. You've seen a macaw. They have all kinds of beautiful feathers and things. And, and um, what I want you to see here is we see all kinds of different types of feathers on this bird, but they're not all the same. Feathers, when I was a kid, I used to think feathers were just big and small. I didn't realize they had a different function. But, and here's the title of the message, every feather has a function. Every feather has a function. No matter how big or small it is, you have these itty bitty feathers that are on the bird. These are his uh, down feathers that keeps him warm. Um, you've got the, the big broad feathers you know, that you see here, the flight feathers, they, that they actually attach to the bones of the birds themselves and allows them lift off, allows them to fly. Uh, beyond this, you have other feathers. They're called contour feathers. They're barbed so that they kind of fit together and the interlock protects them from wind and rain. And then there's something I'd never heard of called phylloplume feathers and they're underneath the bird's wings and his underside of his body and they act like antenna. It allows him to read wind speeds and uh, temperature and things to help this bird survive and do well. Every one of these feathers has a function. Yeah, they're small, some are rather invisible, you don't even notice them, but every feather, no matter how multicolored or size or where it's located, has a function, it has a purpose. And so it is with the church. Peter says it's a varied grace that God gives us. We don't all serve in the same way. God didn't call you to preach. Well, some of you maybe, okay? But he calls us all to do different things. You saw the different ministries up here, service and this and that, all kinds of different ministries. Every feather has a function. Friends, you are a feather in the bird of the body of Christ. You have a function to play. What happens if, if that feather does, isn't there? It's not functioning. You ever go down to a pet store and you see a bird that looks like a Franciscan monk? You know, he's, he's missing all kinds of feathers on the top of his head. Are you thinking that's a healthy bird? You see a bird that's just missing feathers and patches across his body? You're not thinking that's a healthy bird. You think that's a sick bird. Friends, that's what the church looks like when we have feathers that have been plucked from the body of Christ. They're not actively engaged with the body of Christ so as to use their function. But no matter how big or small you are as a feather, you're important. 
Every feather has a function. And I encourage you just to heed the words of Peter as he says, as each has received a gift, use it, okay, to serve one another as stewards of God's varied grace. Let's close. Father, we thank you this morning as we have looked at 1 Peter. And just briefly, Father, this is, it's such a challenge to us, even just this one verse, that you have given to each one of us a spiritual gift and you intend for us to use it in the service of Christ. I pray that you would show each one of us what our function is here in this church and to show us how to use it well. Take this time of just reflection and guide our hearts to you to, use, to be used in a significant place here today. We ask in Christ. Amen. From all of us here at Unity, we would like to thank you for spending time with us today. If you would like to know how to surrender your life to Christ, or if you'd like to share a response, visit us at www.unitybaptistashland.com. We would love the opportunity to help you in your next steps. You can also connect with us on Facebook at UBC Ashland. If you like what we're doing, don't forget to like and subscribe and share our podcast. Until next time. May we do as Psalm 119.10 says, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments.